0: always a blessing to hear how God speaks through you. Say, come on, brother. All right, thanks. Um, It's good to be with you. It's been a long time. It's kind of how I like it. I don't know how he gets up here and does this every week. Um, This morning he said, uh, you have a guest speaker, and I'm like, I'm not a guest. This is my home, Right. So maybe I'm a different speaker, but I was like, well, that may not work. Different in what way? And then I was like, well, maybe just an unusual speaker. And then I was like, well, I'm a guest. I'm a guest speaker. I'll go with that. Um, so you know how preachers get up here sometimes, and they'll be preaching a sermon, and they'll say, you know, come up with something like a rabbit trail, and then they'll say, I wasn't even planning on that in my sermon. Uh, you know, that was just off to the side. That was a freebie. That's not even going to cost you anything, Right. So I was planning on kind of having something like that, but then saying, but that is going to cost you. I throw some money in the offering plate at the end of the service. <laughs> Thanks a lot, offering guy. Ruin my joke, the one that I had. But anyways, all right, it is a pleasure to be here with you. It's, uh, it's a joy. Um, I just love being home. Just love being here. I'm um, just thankful for it. I'm thankful for you and thankful for what the Lord has done in y'all's lives and in my life here, and I'm thankful for his word. Um, so if you want to go ahead and turn to 1 John, that's where we want to be. Sunday school, fuse maybe been a couple months now. We're going through 1 John, First, Second, Third John. Some of you may have done the same thing, and then Revelation. Uh, you know, when I get stuck on something, or oftentimes I get stuck on something, it's hard for me to leave. That happens a lot with scripture. You know, I'll get... Stuck in one passage and just stay there for months, it seems like, and can't get out of it. And that's been true for First John. So ever since we started going through it in Sunday school, uh, I've just kind of been stuck here and thinking about it. And so that's what we're to go over. Um, ever struggle with your salvation, assurance of salvation? If you have, you're not alone. Uh, that's probably a common thing among Christians throughout their Christian lifespan on earth is to... Question, you know, am I saved? Am I saved? Um, you know, different reasons, perhaps. Uh, I know for me, a lot of times it comes when, you know, perhaps I'm in some way away from the Lord, whether, you know, I, I start putting Him to the side and start serving other things first. And it's during those times, you know, whether a sin comes up in my life or whatever, something like that happens, and there's a question, like, man, am I even saved? Right um, For you, it may be different, but regardless, I'm sure most of us have asked that question, or how can we have assurance? So we ask that of ourselves. Have you asked that about other people? Say it's a spouse or a good friend, a coworker, somebody who claims that they're a Christian, uh, but you just wonder, you know, are they really a Christian? And why do we question that? Primarily, we question that based on their behavior. Uh, You know, I would say that would probably be accurate. Like we, when someone claims to be a Christian and they don't really look like it, we we wonder, are they really a Christian based on the way they act? Um, First John, the disciple John, is writing to a group of Christians, and he's primarily writing to combat false doctrine, false teaching. And that false teaching was basically this. You can be a Christian but not really look like it. That was the false doctrine. You can be a Christian, but not really look like it or not act like it. And Paul was writing, or John, the disciple John, was writing to combat that teaching, to protect the believers, to say, no, that is not true. Here's the truth. Um, And just a side note, um, just in our politically correct world, Man, it is so important for believers to protect other believers from false doctrine, especially Christian leaders in the church. To call false doctrine by name, to call out the names who are proclaiming that false doctrine, whether it be from the president's office or another pastor's pulpit. It's so important to call out those false teachings by name. It's a protection for Christians. It's a protection for other believers. So that's what John was doing. He was writing to com- combat that false teaching, to proclaim what is true, to protect the believers. And out of that writing, what is what came out of it was these assurances, you, you would say, or evidences that John wrote to say, here's what a Christian looks like. These are some things that if you do these things, you can have pretty good assurance that you're a believer. And if you don't, you, you shouldn't have really any assurance that you're a believer. You don't have much to stand on that you're a Christian, that you're saved. So what came out of his writings was these assurances or these evidences. Now, just to make one thing clear, you are not saved, and John is saying this, you're not saved by these evidences. Okay? These are not what saves you. But it is what comes out of a Christian's life. All right, That's what John is saying. This is what comes out of a Christian's life. They're strictly evidences. They're not what saved, saves you. And here's John's argument, basically, in First John. All right, here's his argument. You cannot be a child of God. You can't be a Christian. You can't be saved. You can't have fellowship with God and also practice a lifestyle or live in a manner that is opposing to the character and nature of God. You cannot be a child of God and practice a lifestyle or live in a manner that opposes the character and nature of God. So if you are, if you are practicing a lifestyle or living in a manner that is against the character and nature of God, then you have no assurance that you are saved and truly his child. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we can have assurance that we are your child. Lord, I pray. For the Christians here, Lord, I pray that you would give them assurance of their salvation as they walk out the door. For the ones who don't know you, I pray that you would just stir in their hearts, Lord, by your spirit, that they do not know you and that they need to know you. They need to surrender, submit themselves to you. Lord, we love amen. you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <laughs> All right. So that's John's argument. There's a couple things that come out of that I want you to think about. Um, not only does... John's argument, get rid of the idea of this false doctrine. It gets rid of the idea that you can be a Christian and not look like it. It gets rid of that, but it also gets rid of this idea that you're a Christian because you're good. So there's one argument that this John was combating that was saying, hey, you know, you can say you're a Christian, but live completely opposite and look the complete opposite, right? But then John also opposes the idea that you can say you're a Christian, but it's, it's not enough to just say you're a Christian and just be good, all right? There's other things to being a Christian than just being good. Um, so I'll get to that in a second. Who should we think about? The first person you, you should think about is in your, yourself. As we're going through this, you should always think about yourself. As you're reading Scripture, as you sit under the teaching of God's Word, you should always think about yourself. To think, how can I conform myself to God's word? You know, do I have sin in this area? Do I need to repent? Do yada, yada, yada. You always need to consider yourself. I also want you to consider somebody close to you. You know, maybe it's a spouse. I just think about all the spouses um, where you have one spouse who is faithful and you have another spouse who's not. So think about somebody close to you. If it's a spouse, do they, are they claiming to be a Christian but do they live like it? So think of someone who is close to you who claims to be a Christian but who may not act like it. Why is it important for you to think about them? Sometimes I have a, I think we have a tendency, especially towards ones we love, to think because they say they're a Christian or, or they, they did that at one point in time and they live a good life and not a completely opposite worldly life, they still are you know good citizens we think it's they're okay, they're okay right but john dispels that idea too and so what is most important for that person that individual who you love who is close to you is not to hide the fact or to sugarcoat the idea that they're saved when they really may not be so i want you to think about yourself and i want you to think about somebody who who is perhaps close to you who claims to be a Christian, who may not be. All right, so 1 John, um, a few things. John says he's writing this letter um, for three reasons. He says three times, I'm writing you this because, I'm writing you this because. The first time comes in the first chapter, and he says, I'm writing you this. I'm declaring these things to you so that you may have fellowship along with us, that you may have fellowship along with us, and that fellowship was with the Father and with the Son. Then he says in chapter 2, I'm writing you this so that you may not sin. And then in chapter 5, he says, you know, if you have the Son, you have life. I'm writing you these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. So something along with the idea of assurance of salvation comes God, sin, and Jesus Christ. That's not surprising. God, sin, and Jesus Christ. So we're going to be in um, verse 5. I'm going to start in verse 5, chapter 1. As John gets to verse 5, before that, he starts out in verse 1 and says, what was from the beginning? He's basically telling you, look, this message I'm about to tell you, it was from the beginning and has not changed. It's the same today as it was then, and it has not changed. It's not going to. And he says, this message that I'm about to tell you, I was there witnessing that message. It comes from Christ. I was with him. I I saw him. I touched him. I walked with him. I know it's true. And then in verse 5, he says, this message comes from him. Okay, so he's saying this message is not something I'm just telling you I'm making up. This message is from the Lord. This is why you must listen. This message comes from God. So verse 5, we're just going to read. I'm going to read through the first few verses, and then we're just going to go back to verse 5 and try to, try to go through them. So verse 5, Now this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and, and walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Three things I want to point out. So if I had a, you know, just a caption for this message. Evidences that you have fellowship with God. Just three that we're going to go through today. Evidences that you have fellowship. One, is that you're walking with the Lord. That you're walking with the Lord. It's an issue of lordship. Two is that you are recognizing and being cleansed from sin. And three is that you are trusting Jesus to cleanse you from that sin. All right, verse 5. Now this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. So John has a message to tell us. And remember, this message comes from God, and it has not changed. And where does John start his message? Where does the message start? Who does it start with? God. God. The standard for John's argument, the fact that we cannot be a Christian and not live like it, comes from the nature and character of God. What does John say about God? He starts out with a characteristic of God what I call a positive statement. So not necessarily positive as in it's something good. It could be, but more in terms of a medical term. Like, you know, if you go to the doctor and you get get diagnosed with something and you say you were diagnosed positive, right? You have something. So the positive statement that John says about God, God is something. What does he say about God? God is light. God is light. That's a unique, unique term. You know, thinking about all through Scripture, it appears that all the writers have a really difficult time describing God. And it makes sense, right? I mean, how do you describe a completely unique, perfect, holy being? The uh, Baptist faith, and message says God is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. How in the world do you describe that? Right? God is light. So all throughout Scripture, you have authors struggling with how do you describe this being, and oftentimes they describe it as light. Man, and the idea is that he is completely perfect, completely unique and pure in everything that he does. Completely right, just, good, virtuous, honorable, and every single thing that he does and is, he is light. And what's unique to me is in a physical sense, light, that even today, um, light in terms of people who study light, whatever they're called, they have, a, they have a hard time describing what it is. So sometimes they'll say light is a particle, then sometimes they'll say, no, light is a wavelength, or it's like a wavelength, or maybe it's like a particle, or maybe it's like the two combined. But even today, in a physical sense, people still can't describe even what light is. And that's just unique how the Bible describes God as light. It's so unique. God is perfect and righteous and just. Then comes the negative statement. God is not this So God is what he's like. God is not the complete opposite of that. God is not darkness. Not only is he not darkness, there's not a smidgen, absolutely not even an inkling of evil or wickedness or wrongdoing in him. Nothing. Light, he is darkness. He is absolutely not. Not even close. Not even close. Sometimes we like to think, how close can we get to sin? How close can we be to darkness without actually getting there? God is just so opposed to darkness. It's the complete opposite of who and what he is. Now, thinking about humanity before Christ, what is the positive statement that the Bible speaks of in regards to humanity, in terms of humanity is what before Christ? Humanity is darkness before Christ. How does Ephesians chapter 2 describe us? Dead in our trespasses and and sins, children of wrath, children of Satan. Romans, there's no one good, no not one. There's no one righteous. Their tongues are just... Evil continually. That's all they do. Look how God is the complete opposite of humanity. So the positive statement that humanity is what? Darkness. Humanity, what's the negative statement? Humanity is not light before Christ. Humanity is not light. God the nature and character of who he is is the complete opposite of the nature and character of humanity before Christ. That leads into the statement. How in the world can you come in contact with such a change agent like the Holy Spirit? Come in contact with a change agent like God, this one who is light but not show any evidence of change. How is that possible? And John said, says that's it's not possible. It's not possible. So if you are a Christian, what happens from going from you are darkness to you're a new creature, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. It's the fact that God is light. Okay, so John says, he goes on in chapter in verse 6, says, if we say, and it's like based on the character of God and his nature, we cannot say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We can't. And you see the next term, he says, you are a liar if you say so. He doesn't say like you're ignorant or you just don't understand. He's calling that individual a liar because it's impossible It's impossible to say you have come in contact with the living, perfect, holy God who is light and not show any evidence of it. So just imagine, you know, just bringing the sun, shrinking it, putting it next to you and walking around with the sun and the light, it would emanate. It would be impossible to see you. That's the image, the picture here you are walking with an individual with a being who exudes light when you are walking next to that person that's what they're going to that's what other people are going to see they're going to see light they're not going to see darkness so you cannot say if you you cannot say that you are a saved individual uh, you that you have fellowship with God that you're his child and walk in darkness It's impossible. When John says walk in darkness, what he means is it's a way of life. It's a practice. It's not just, um, it doesn't mean we never fall or it doesn't mean we never sin. It means as you look at your life, as a way of life, are you walking in light? It is an ING kind of statement. It is a what is happening right now. Are you walking, are you practicing a way of life, living in a manner that looks like, man, you are walking in light? That's what it means. So an evidence of salvation is, as you look at yourself right now, not an evidence of salvation is saying, I'm going to look in the past and say, I did that. So you can't say, and as, you can't have as an assurance of salvation Uh, You know, I walked down the aisle 10 years ago. I did that sort of thing. That's not an assurance of salvation. What you have to look at is what is taking place in your life right now at this moment. Are you walking with him as a practice? Overall, as people look at your life, as you examine your life, are you walking, are you living, are you practicing a manner that looks like you're walking in light? I think another way of saying this is, are you practicing Jesus as your Lord? Is he your Lord? I think it's an issue of lordship. It's an issue of lordship. Another way of saying, are you walking in light? Is Jesus your Lord? That's it. So Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I think in that one verse you have Jesus' theme throughout all the Gospels. Repent and believe. Wednesday nights we're going over Mark and Jesus' theme is repent and believe the good news. And the good news is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And his theme throughout all the Gospels is repent and believe. And in Romans ten nine, I think you have those two things, repent and believe. So Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. So what is it that we're confessing? Jesus is Lord, right? So if Jesus is Lord, who's not? You name it. Everything. Me, somebody else, something else. If Jesus is Lord, then nothing else is. So what are we repenting from in confessing that Jesus is Lord? When we confess that Jesus is Lord, we are repenting from anything else being Lord and turning to Jesus being Lord. That's it. That's what confession is. Confessing that Jesus is Lord is repenting, turning away from anything or anybody else being Lord, including myself, and turning to making Jesus your Lord. So if Jesus is Lord, that means he's your master and you're his slave. What he says goes. As a practice, what He says goes. Walking in light is walking as with Jesus as your Lord. That He's your Savior. What He says goes. That means, man, when you want to look sometimes, but you know it's against your Lord that you don't look. That means when you want to say something to your spouse or a coworker. Oh, and it's so hard. You just want to bite your fist. You know, it's be good for you, but be bad in general and against your Lord. You say, No, that's against my Lord. I'm not going to do that. And you may want to, but you don't because Jesus is your Lord. That is Lordship. And that, by the way, is also worship. When you make Christ your Lord, when you follow him, even in the moments when you don't want to, you'd rather do something else. When you, show, when you say, no, Christ is my Lord, this goes against my Lord, I'm not going to do it because Christ is your Lord. That is walking in light. So if you're walking in darkness, you really don't have any assurance of Salvation. Currently, if you are walking in darkness, if you are practicing, if you look at your life right now, there's no evidence that you're walking in light, then you don't have a basis to say, you know, I'm saved. And that should be concerning. So if Jesus is not your Lord, then who else is? Somebody. If Jesus is not your Lord, if you're walking in darkness, you're demonstrating Jesus is your Lord or somebody else. If you're walking in darkness, you're demonstrating that someone else is your Lord. And if Christ is not your Lord, someone else is. If he's not your Lord, then based on Romans 10, 9, you haven't repented. And if you haven't repented, then you aren't saved. So if Jesus is not your Lord, then he's not your Savior. So that's why he calls those individuals who say, yes, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I have fellowship with the Lord, but are walking continually in darkness. John calls them liars. Man, that's harsh. That's harsh. Who's the father of lies? Satan, right? Father of darkness, Satan. So you see what John is doing here? When you walk in darkness, your evidence your Your evidence is that Jesus is not your Lord, somebody else is, and that you are walking according to another Father, Satan, right? Now this does not mean we never sin. This does not mean we never fall. That's why he goes on to the next verse but in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. So the first evidence that I just kind of went through was that you were walking with the Lord. So if you look at your life, and you say, you know what, as a practice, as a way of life, I desire God to be my Lord. I desire Christ to be my Lord. I may fall, but I am turning to Him and trying to make Him my Lord, and as a practice, that's what my life looks like, then you can have pretty good assurance that you're saved. John gives you evidence that, you know what, that's what a Christian looks like. It looks like a lifestyle of making Christ your Lord. If you are doing that, that should give you peace. If you're not, you should do the opposite. So the second one, the second evidence I think this, these verses give is that um, you are recognizing your need to be cleansed from sin. And notice I say you are recognizing now. It's what's happening now as a way of life. It's not something that happened a long time ago or a while back or something that you just said, yeah, I did that. You are recognizing your need to be, be cleansed from sin. So verse 7 Jesus or John says if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin isn't that what we need to be cleansed from sin but in order to be cleansed we have to have something what do we have to have we have to have sin in order to be cleansed in order to need Christ we first have to have sin And that's why John goes into the following verse. If we say we never, or if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. In order to be cleansed by Christ, we have to have sin. Now, as I asked you to think about yourself and to think about other people, my guess would be if you think about other people and you go to somebody else, most people are not going to say, I'm a perfect person. Most people will say, yeah, I have issues in my life or I'm not, I'm not perfect, right? But the question is, as that person claims to be a Christian, as a, a way of life, their practice, are they saying pragmatically, as they live, I don't have sin? Are they, is that what they're saying and how they live? So they may not come up and with their words, say, yes, I have no sin. They may say, yeah, I'm an imperfect person. But in the way they live, do they demonstrate their need for their imperfections and sin? Their need to be cleansed from it. If they don't, then they are practically saying, I have no sin. Does that make sense? So if someone has no desire for the Lord or no desire for Christ or or no desire to come to church or, or, or thinks that I did that or they just have no want of fellowship with other believers or no concern for their sin, then they are practically saying, I have no sin. That's what John's getting at. It's not... You know, if you say I'm imperfect, that's what he's saying. Yeah, then you're good. No, he's saying as a way of life, are you practicing a manner that says I'd, I'd have no sin? There's a big difference there. That is our need to be cleansed from Christ in order for that need to be complete You have to recognize your own sin. You have to be recognizing your own sin. So Christian, are you recognizing your sin as a way of life? Are you desiring to, in the way you pray, the way you talk to the Lord, Father, cleanse me from my sin. Help me to see my sin more so I can be more like you, to be more in the light. Or are you just kind of glossing over any wrongs that you have, any wrongs that you do, like it's not a big deal? Is that your constant way of living? As though you just don't care. You just don't care about your sin and any wrongs that you may have. John is saying that's a practical way of saying I have no sin. So that's the second evidence. That you're recognizing your need to be cleansed from sin. So are you? Are you as a way of life, are you recognizing? Yes, absolutely. Man, more and more it seems like I recognize my sin. And I I know I need to be cleansed from it. If you are, man, that's good news. That is good news. That is a blessing from the Holy Spirit. That's a blessing from the Lord. Man, you should thank Jesus for it. That's right. yeah. That you're recognizing that and that He that is evidence that He's working in your life, that He's conforming you into His image. That's good news. The third one. If we're recognizing our need to be cleansed from sin, well, we have to trust in Christ, the only one who can cleanse us from our sin. The blatant, obvious evidence that you're not a Christian is that you are not believing in Jesus Christ. That's the blatant, obvious one. John says, if you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. And this is a right belief in Christ. A right belief. Who is it, the one, who cleanses you from sin? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, there's the belief. The belief in what? That you do the work for your salvation or the work has been done for you for your salvation? And who is the one who has done the work for your salvation? Christ. So it is a right belief in the Son, a right belief in Christ that would show you absolutely you are his child. So thinking about the ones who do not have a right belief in Christ. It becomes evident of the ones who think they work their, themselves to heaven. They think they work themselves for salvation. It becomes evident that they do not have a right belief in Christ and therefore do not have eternal life with him and are not true believers. Anybody, anybody who thinks that they, in some selfish, self-righteous manner, work For salvation, does not have a right belief in Christ. They're self righteous in that thought. Only by Christ can you be cleansed from your sin. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin. No one else, not you, not anything else, nothing you can do. So John says if we confess our sins, guess what? He is faithful and righteous. You can bank on it. You can count on it. When you confess your sins, and again, what must you do in order to confess your sins? You have to recognize your sin, right? So when you recognize it, what do you do? You just don't hang on to it. You give it up. You give it up to the one who can cleanse you. And guess what? He will. He will, He promises you, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So are you walking with the Lord? As a way of life, does your life look like you are walking in the light? Are you recognizing your need to be cleansed from sin? And are you trusting in the one and only person who has done all the work for you to save you from that sin? He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of all sins. So Christians, if you're recognizing your sin, give it up. Confess it. He is faithful and righteous to forgive you. He is the one who makes you righteous. He is the one who makes you righteous. That's why John says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Again, for those who are not walking in the light, John says again, it's impossible to say we have not sinned. It's impossible. So as you think about yourself, you think about other people, someone close to you, I pray that, It would be a concern for you, those ones who say they're a Christian but aren't walking in light. They're not recognizing their sin, and because they do not recognize their sin, they can't go to Christ. Let's pray.